Hello, and welcome back to Showing Up Messy. My name is Katie Barbro, and this is the podcast about showing up as your true creative self, no matter how messy it may seem. And here I am today, showing up as my messy self with Kai Mata, who is a singer-songwriter originally from the United States, currently living in Indonesia. She's an Indonesian-American. We had a great interview, and you're going to enjoy it. We talk about her latest single called So Hard, which is chock full of dick jokes. I bet you can get the first one. <laughs> um, and also about her experience of what it's like living in Indonesia, a predominantly Muslim country, as a queer woman. We talk a lot about identity and how to intentionally cultivate and actively look for what your true values are and living according to those values as opposed to belief systems that are imposed upon you. I love talking to Kai about this and how she does this naturally and how it came about as part of her really unique upbringing. So I hope you enjoy. This is Showing Up Messy. This is Kai Mata, who I was so lucky to meet here in Indonesia, on the island of Bali. We're on an island in a country. And I met Kai at the Bali Spirit Fest where she was performing. She's a singer-songwriter. And, um, what? <laughs> Are you laughing at me introducing you? Yeah. I know, okay. Obviously you would do a better job of introducing no, yourself. No, no, no. No, you're going to. I no, no. Fine, I'm gonna introduce Fine. you. No, don't introduce me. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, this is Kathleen. Marie Barbro from the San Fernando Valley. Oh, and Kai is also from the San Fernando Valley. Well, kind of. More or less. Yeah, okay. Let's talk more about you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about how you are here. You live here in Bali. Yes. Tell me about how you went from living 30 minutes away from me near Glendale, California. Mm -hmm. What city are you from? Northridge. Northridge. The San Fernando Valley. The 818. Yeah. We have the same area code. Tell me about how you became a singer-songwriter. I don't think I've become one. I think it's been a part of how I've communicated with people and how I've learned to express my emotions was through the medium of storytelling. Mm. For me, music is a way to tell an impactful story that is not just heard, but felt. When did you discover you had this ability to tell a story through music? I don't know if it's an ability or just something that I found was successful at being a medium for me to firstly understand myself and secondly help other people understand my experiences. So you used it as a way to communicate with other people? Yeah. My songs are typically very personal. They're told in a manner in which is very vulnerable, actually. So first it's about getting really honest with yourself mm -hmm. and then it's in this format all of a sudden where you can, where it feels safe to share it. Because that seems, for me hearing that, like it seems so vulnerable to put my feelings into a song and then to sing that in front of people, mm -hmm. I feel like I would just be beside myself in like anxiety and fear. Like, oh my God, they're gonna see my real soul. Do you feel that or do you feel, yeah, how do you feel when you sing in front of people? I don't get anxious when I sing. There is almost a sense of relief. A big part of my shows, especially my live shows, is banter with the audience and a connection. It's telling a story and explaining what the story means to me. Really just bringing people on a journey through emotions, from the light to the dark, from the sun to the shadows the sun casts. Mm, that's really beautiful. 
you and and you get to be empowered in doing that. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing when I can see people put down their phones and really just focus on me with eye contact. And that is a rarity, especially in this day and age. It's such a rarity. Wow. To actually make that kind of connection where someone's like, you can, you can feel it. You're being heard mm -hmm. and seen and received. And not just being heard, but it's almost like a conversation because mm -hmm. there's eye contact. I joke but it's not really a joke. I measure my success at shows based on the percentage of people that cry. Mm -hmm. It's not because I want to see people in pain or anything. It's to see them be human with me. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, because crying isn't good or bad. It's no. just like, yeah, you're actually, you're moving someone. It's movement. Yeah. That's beautiful. I mean, it's just like doing comedy, really. Like, we measure our success based on how many people laugh. Crying and laughing are both ways that you can see when someone's connection muscles are triggered, mm -hmm. you know? And actually thinking about laughter and also crying, like eliciting emotion from people, it just makes me think of your new song, because you just wrote a new single. Yeah. So hard. It's coming out June 8th. June 8th. Can't wait. And luckily I didn't have to wait because I got to experience it. Yes. Early. Katie was in the music video. I got to be And you were great. You were of the many stars. In there were many stars in the music video. I was lucky enough to be one of them. The song is called So Hard. Yes. And it's funny. Thank you. <laughs> it's a funny song and also speaks a lot of truth. This would be a good time to put, pop the song in. Yeah. Like, well, you're going to listen to it right now. I love it. Yeah, I love it because it's like it's punny. It's wordplay. Is that enough teasing? Did we tease enough? I don't think there's such thing as enough teasing. Okay, more teasing necessary. Yeah, it's, the song teases you. There's a lot of dick jokes. Not a lot, just one. That gets repeated throughout the song. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah, it's a provocative song. Provocative, evocative. You're going to listen to it right here. Okay, here it comes. Come and hear the words they say Are you bi or are you gay? Oh, how I thought you were straight what a pity, such a shame You both look so feminine Don't you miss it with a man With two girls, how does that work? Cause I can always be your third mm -hmm. Well, I'll answer all your questions Though I know it won't Telling you our bedroom does not want your company no. So go and lust and fantasize But nothing more Despite your tries I don't need a dictator To tell me what I need Just a face Doesn't even work that way You think you can turn me straight Well maybe I can turn you gay Oh did I just cross a line 
Cause you've been overstepping mine It seems your masculinity Suffers insecurity So go in lust and fantasize But nothing more Despite your tries I don't need a dictator To tell me what I need more than I loved it the first time. <laughs> Thank you. It's um, nice to hear. It's so hard. Okay, I could just sing it all day. Did you write it from a place of being like, I want to write a funny song? This one I was quite organized with because it's a serious issue that I wanted to approach in a lighthearted manner because that's when things can have the most impact in my opinion. If it's too solemn, too melancholy, then no one takes it seriously. That's the funny part. Right, the more serious you are when you deliver a message like that, it doesn't actually get into people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like the difference between a demand and a request. And the biggest request that would bring someone in is to be jovial and to have them want to be a part of a movement rather than force them into it. Oh, what a beautiful way of saying that. I'm going to use that. A request rather than a demand. Mm -hmm. Like, it's an invitation. Yeah. You're like, hey, we're having this party over here in Freedom Land where we're inviting you we're inviting you to join us and mm-hmm. to see this thing more consciously to see yeah. this issue it's not like we're not judging you or condemning you if you've had this perspective this like toxic masculine perspective before but like here's an invitation to see it in a new way yeah this song came after a conversation with a same-sex female couple jamie and nisha who are also in the video oh they were this okay well you can't see it because this is a podcast but there's there's this a really sexy kiss sexy scene, kiss. slow motion, that's them. That's them. They are the epitome of a same-sex female couple. The epitome of it. They're even hosting a gay girl dinner that we're going to tonight. They are so hot and also fun and also just lovely people. Sweet and kind. Sweet and kind. And, and they're willing to kiss on camera for me. Wow, you really hit the jackpot. Yeah. I would kiss on camera for you. You could have told me that earlier, Katie. My, the willingness... Anything for the camera. Anything for the camera. So tell me about what you were saying about Jamie. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> we were having dinner. Mm-hmm. Italian. Like your ethnic background. I thank you for bringing it up. Because we talked about how you're Indonesian, but we didn't talk about how I'm Italian. So. You were having an Italian dinner. What would you order? I had pasta and pizza and a salad. 
good. You went hard. Uh, yes. Good. Very much so. Yeah. That's what we do in Italy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hard. So hard. So we were talking and sharing our experiences about the all too common questions we are asked and statements that are made to us. And they're kind of made in this almost ignorant way where people ask without thinking that it's rude or something that's just a little presumptuous. Specifically about my sex life, about relationships, about how things work, about how I define myself, and other questions that you really wouldn't ask someone you just met. But they think that since you're openly like in a relationship like so you're saying that they ask you these things because you're like maybe affectionate with with a woman uh-huh. in public it invites them to ask you these deeply uh, presumptuous questions yeah and i i love curiosity and i love when people are curious there's a difference from asking these questions and curiosity because they're interested in me and asking these questions because they're interested in getting with me to fulfill a fantasy mm. And you can tell this energetically. Just through the tone and the way they approach it, I think some people see like a potential relationship I have with a woman. In their eyes, they interject themselves in the conversation as to, oh, where do I fit in with these two pretty feminine women? There must be a man necessary. So let's let's figure out right. where I can fit. Right. I love that you make the distinction because it's not like you're closing off curiosity mm-hmm. and sharing but it's like you can tell when someone's asking because they're they're wondering what they can get like what can yeah. they how can they benefit from your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even if not there's also an aspect of respect it's objectifying and also eroticizing women especially two women in a relationship like you said it's a very serious issue it's a serious issue as we move forward with fighting for lgbtq rights around the world and we see places legalize um, same-sex marriage and decriminalize gay sex, we need to see a cultural change as well. And these are small things that we can do Mm -hmm. to really show equality in the eyes of society. Right. Not just in the eyes of the law. Because the the society doesn't change from the law. I mean, the the things that you're doing, slowly, yeah. But for instance, I don't know, I used to have an acting coach who would say, you know, in, in this in this realm, like talking about the value of storytelling, what the value of storytelling is, it's like, that's, that's what has the power to shift culture. Like for instance, you know, the LGBTQ rights movement owes more to will and grace than it does to any sort of like legislative changes that have been made over the past 50 years, right? Because the things that have normalized and brought it in as what you said, like this invitation Mm -hmm. or this, this request, this like innocuous, playful calling in of people to see. Yeah, it's like the difference between calling out and calling in. Because calling out is like, you're doing things wrong. And then calling in is like, hey, just join us over here. You know, like we see you over there, but like it's more, <laughs> this it's is more, more fun for everyone. It's more fun for everyone if you just stop hating yourself and others. Right? Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> um, so thank you on behalf of the world for doing that. I would like to thank the world. Uh, the world says no prop. <laughs> no props. <laughs> no prop. We're going to listen to your new single and uh, love everyone. Yes. Okay. Well, I hope that it's received well. Yes. Well, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I'm receiving it with open arms. So you're living in Indonesia. Yes. Which is a predominantly Muslim country. It is the largest population of Muslims in the world. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yes. Indonesia is the fourth largest country in the world based on population. Did you know that? 
Also didn't know that. Wow. Huh. But it's so, so tiny. Are we talking about population? Population of um, people. Of people. Yes, population of people. Population of people. Okay, wait. Let's just <laughs> let's just recap this. There are seventeen thousand islands in Indonesia. Wow. Oh my. I'm happy. I'm learning this on air. So seventeen thousand islands. Yeah. Wow. And I've only been on this one. Yeah. And there's sixteen thousand nine hundred and ninety nine other islands a little bit more than that but yeah okay so seventeen thousand other plus other islands yes that i could be on in indonesia wow okay fun fact and and a lot of indonesia is not very progressive we were just talking about how like on the island of java in some places you can be stoned for premarital sex premarital sex there are places where it's illegal to for a woman to sit behind a man on a motorbike unless they side saddle it's like he you might tempt him with your with your um exactly straddling stance okay um there were laws in which females that wanted to join the police force had to have a virginity test a virginity test yeah the virginity test sounds invasive how do you do a virginity test because we only want virgin police officers virgin females okay Wow, what a fun fact. That's not fun for humanity, but interesting for me to learn. Yeah, Indonesia is a developing country that is industrializing and growing to be a force in the world. We're seeing a push and pull with culture, and we see a wide gap between people's religious values versus what they culturally see, especially as globalization has allowed us to see what the West is doing in Indonesia at the click of a button on our phone. Wow, yeah, that's such a beautiful, like, you know, framing of what's going on right now, because mm-hmm. there's this industrial revolution, and we know that, and, and it's a really unique time in history, because for the first time, you know, like, the technological re- revolution has allowed for cultural changes to happen rapidly. I mean, you know, just exposure to different cultures, but then yeah. how do you justify the, like, traditional values and this new cultural revolution? I think with anything, things are bound to change. Nothing is static. Everything is dynamic. And how do you see yourself fitting into that? Um, I don't. Hmm. And that's, that's the benefit and the drawback. I don't really feel fully integrated in Indonesian culture, nor do I feel fully integrated in U.S. culture. So I'm in this middle ground, almost in a limbo. Some could call it purgatory. I think I would call it an outside perspective in which I could shape shift at times to either culture and mold myself into them, Mm. but also step back and see it from another perspective. And it's a whole idea of an individualistic society compared to a collectivistic society, which is how the West is compared to Asia and seeing how that plays in with social interactions and what we think and how we define our values. That's amazing. And you saying that, it's like your mere existence is, is actually helping both sides. That's my hope. My hope is that I can be a bridge between both cultures mm-hmm. and represent the best of both. Well, and the fact that you have such a deep understanding of both cultures, but also don't feel overly aligned with either one is such a gift because you have 
this unique perspective. Like to not feel attached to the beliefs of your culture is, it, that's the, the goal, right? Because mm -hmm. you're able to actually tap into your own value system and then make your, make your influence, do your work, like be true to you regardless of the, of trying to fit in or even regardless of trying to um, combat against certain aspects of the culture. Because if you felt this like rebellious, like some sort of rebellious um, spirit against like the ways people do things here in Indonesia. Yeah. I don't think you'd be as effective. You wouldn't be as lighthearted and as like jovial about your calling things out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And bringing this back to the issue of LGBTQ rights, I am very fortunate that I'll have the support of the US as the majority of Americans are in favor of same-sex marriage and would be okay if their child married someone of the same sex as of 2018. Around 60% Americans say mm. they would be okay. And 60%, not the highest percentage. So especially since that's happened in that whole shift has happened in 50 years. That's two generations, and it's gone from no one wanting their kid to be gay to now, oh, yeah, my kid could marry someone of the same gender, and I'd be cool. I'd be cool. That is monumental. Mm. We just have to imagine, in 1969, in New York, police could stop someone on the street and ask to see three items of clothing on them to see if they match their gender. And if they didn't, that was considered illegal back then in New York. If they were wearing clothes that didn't match If their... they were cross-dressing, basically. Mm. Was this around the Stonewall riots? Before that. And the Stonewall riots was the catalyst that really broke everything out to fight against these inequalities. Mm -hmm. We've seen that happen in just 50 years. It's been a big cultural shift. Mm -hmm. And we still have a lot of work in the U.S. and a lot of work to do abroad. Yeah, especially, I mean, yeah, and like you mentioned, living in Indonesia, where there's, it's, it's almost like, where do you even begin here? I, I know, it's so daunting, right? And yeah. I am a minority in Indonesia, because I am not fully ethnically Indonesian. Hmm. And the minority I am has faced massive amounts of discrimination in Indonesia. You mean being half Chinese? Mostly Chinese. Okay. So my, my, my ancestors immigrated to Indonesia in the late 1800s from China. Okay. And somewhere along the way, someone hooked up with a Javanese princess. Yeah, you can't resist, right? Those yeah. Javanese princesses. I know. Hmm. So I am 1 16th Javanese. Okay. And the rest Chinese. So, how, but yeah, what is it like? What's your experience like being a minority in, this, in your home? This well, is your country. The reason I lived bit. in the U.S. was because there was a very, very tough situation in 1998. They were called riots, but it was more an attack on Chinese people uh, as a blame for the financial crisis that was happening in Asia in 1998. Wow, and so, that was the year you were born. Uh, I was born the year before. You were born in 1997? Yes. Wow, okay. So because of that, we stayed in the US. So living here now, do you feel lack of being welcome here, or is it? I mean, we live in Bali, in which, well, at the cafe I am in right now, I am a minority. Everyone here is white, and this is me in my own home country, and I am like the only Indonesian around. Yeah, this is a weird, yeah, it's a weird island. So, so yeah. 
Yeah, there's an aspect of always being a minority wherever I go. It's being Asian in America. It's being so young compared to my friends who are usually in their 30s. I mean, I'm 30. You're 21. Yes. Or 21. I'm going on 22. Going on 22. If you didn't do the math from before when I mentioned your birth year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... I'm kind of used to that. It's, there's a whole aspect of I feel like I'm the minority of minorities, mm. being not fully Indonesian, not fully American, also ethnically Chinese, but have no relation to China, to also being LGBTQ. But I, and I asked you earlier, I was like, oh, how do you identify and do you like to refer to yourself as queer or whatever? And you, and you said... I just give every letter in the alphabet. You're like... I'm ABCD. I'm A through Z. <laughs> so I, I, I think identities and a label are very powerful. They are a strong way to show specifically what you are. And having a group is great for some people. For me, I feel like aspects of all of them are accurate, mm-hmm. but fully, no. And the connotation they carry doesn't represent me. That is so beautifully said. It reminds me of... You know Brene Brown? Yes. We love her. She's good. <laughs> She's good. She's good. <laughs> You're good. Hey, Brene. You listening? Yeah. Uh, t- thanks for tuning in. Uh, one thing that she talks about in her book, Braving the Wilderness, which I really love. It's her most recent book. I don't even know. Maybe she wrote another one. Um, but, <laughs> but she talks about this. Like, really, she wrote this book to talk about this cultural civil war that's happening in the United States where it's like mm-hmm. one side versus another side. And it's like everything, your allegiance to your own side keeps you so closed from having that conversation. Yeah. And it's this, but like, if we look at the origin of like, it's our human drive to belong, like to belong to a group is often like the way that people find meaning. Um, And so, but being too attached to that group mentality cuts you off from your your own self. And so what I'm hearing you say, and it sounds like the way that you naturally have developed, it's like you are at this place where what she would call is like belonging to yourself. And and it's beautiful. You're like, yeah, there's, there's aspects of this community that I identify with and I can take, take what I need from that. And then I can take what I, you know, resonate with in my Indonesian culture and my mm-hmm. Chinese culture and my American culture, but it's not, um, you're able to be this mosaic of all of the different pieces of yourself and, and without attaching to any one identity. Yeah. And it's, amazing and you're only 21 <laughs> like just stay here <laughs> like it's amazing because I think people spend their whole lives unlearning that unlearning the belief systems they have that come from like a certain group right I was privileged to be thrown into a world at the age of 14 through high school the coming of age years in which my classes were filled with 67 different nationalities and Everyone had lived in a dozen countries by the time they were 15. Most people were at least bilingual. A good amount of people were tri or quadlingual Mm. and fluent in them. One of my friends from high school spoke fluent German, Mandarin, and English, and French. Whoa. Having that diverse background of people really shaped my perspective of what culture is and how that relates to me. Mm. And seeing 
people raised in a way in which they identify with various cultures and they could be Caucasian, but having lived in Indonesia their entire life, they call themselves Indonesian, opened my mind to how I could identify beyond what is predisposed to me. Mm -hmm. And rather than take what is just the status quo, we can be active and shape it and make the choice. I was given opportunity to make that choice from an early age, so I'm lucky. It's amazing, and you, you sharing that and owning it, being like, yeah, I'm lucky and I have this perspective where I see what's possible, not what's, not the ways I'm limited, but the ways that I, there's limitless possibilities for who you can be. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's not gonna stay the same as I don't expect it to with anyone. It's gonna grow and change and develop and transform. Right, yeah, it's like, it's also not holding yourself to these conceptions that you have of who you mm -hmm. are. Like, it's, it's not being attached to, hi, I'm Kai, I'm a singer-songwriter, your whole life, necessarily. Like, I mean, that might be an aspect of your identity. Like, that's a... It's a facet. It's absolutely a facet. But it's not something... But as soon as you attach to it, like, this is... Without this, I'm nothing. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, like, such a refreshing, liberating perspective. It seems. And, like, and you stepping into that place gives other people permission to step into that place as well. I would hope others don't need permission to step into that place. I've often felt like I need a permission slip. When you are exposed to mm -hmm. all of these different cultures and all of these different like, ways of being a person very early in life, you know, it wasn't this like homogenous, like I went to Catholic school my whole life and like I just didn't have the, the life experience early on mm -hmm. to see what was what else was possible. So I had to kind of seek it out and then be like, oh, wow. You know, like the experience of traveling really does that for you. Because yeah. you can like assume, yeah, if I travel somewhere else, it will be different. But like to actually be there physically and feel what the difference is and what's possible there, it just, it puts it in your bones in a different way. It makes it tangible. It makes it tangible. Yeah, definitely. I want to hear more about your experience being a musician here. Like you're doing, you're in a creative field, which is yes. not, yeah. And you're, you're a working musician. You make a living being a musician. Yes, I do. I'm very grateful that I can do that. And a big part of being able to make a living as a musician is honing in on the idea of the business side of music as well. And it's, it's the other side of the coin that has really shaped my ability to say that music can pay for my rent and my food and not just be a creative outlet. When did you make that shift in your life to, I want to do the grunt work necessary to make this my livelihood? Well, my thought is that my goal with almost everything I do is to create and foster a connection between two people and to have that connection be a one with truth and honesty and understanding reigning in the forefront. Mm. That is the focus of everything I want to do. Beautiful. And in that, I knew that music was a way that I feel strongest to do so. How could I reach people? How could my words be heard and how could I hear others? Mm. How could I receive as well as give? And that includes marketing, that includes PR. That includes writing terrible press releases, but at least trying. It includes sending emails and being okay with that and 
at times editing my own videos and editing my own music and working with a bunch of people to make it happen. It's not all on me, but as an independent artist, it starts with me. It starts with you believing so strongly in your mission. I mean, like, yeah, like I love that you, you take it back to like, what is your purpose? Like your main, this is all so strongly tied to your main purpose. Yeah. That it's like, you know and believe in the purity of what you're doing. Because, I mean, like, okay, this is me projecting, like, what some of my, I can hear, like, my own limitations when I go to do, like, PR or marketing for myself, including mm -hmm. for, like, this podcast. I haven't done so much of the grunt work in terms of, like, promoting it to people. Like, I really don't. I'm like, I just want to do it. And then while it is, like, very much tied to, like, what my mission is, it's, like, part of it is actually internalizing and believing in the value like my own value yeah and and when you believe in that like in your own innocence in your own purity in your own like the purity of what your intention is and like this isn't coming from Kai's ego this is coming from the truest part of yourself and you're like of course I want to share this with everybody like, of course, you know, when we are, when we're actually creating something from that authentic, honest place, yeah, like, you can stand by it 100%. So it's really inspiring just to hear you say that. <laughs> thank you, Katie. Yeah, thank you. Wow, you just have it figured out, and it's like... I don't have it figured out, you know? It's a continuous process of figuring. Absolutely. And it's a continuous process of learning and realizing that the education doesn't stop. Because mm. if it does, then I stop. If we stop, we die. We're yeah. continually learning. Yes, we have to be. What's, what's the thing you're learning right now? As you know, I read a lot. Right. I've, I've, I've finished some great books. Um, one of them was called When Nietzsche Wept by Dr. Irvin D. Yalom. Have you heard of him? I have now. He's a psychiatrist. Okay. This was a historical fiction book that basically brought in one story the life of Nietzsche, the philosopher. Right. Freud, Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud's um, unknown mentor that most people don't know about, Dr. Breuer. Haven't heard of him. Who Great. some say is like started psychotherapy and talk therapy based on what he did with a patient to treat her hysteria. Interesting. So it was seeing all of them collide in a story and how the process of talking to another person works, of revealing oneself works, of how when I'm helping you, I also receive help. It was a, it, it, for me, from a layman's perspective, it was really about a symbiotic relationship between two souls where nothing is ever fully taking and nothing is fully ever giving. That anything successful, anything worth doing, anything that's fulfilling is always mutual which is, I think, the utmost sign of respect. And it happens without trying. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes you gotta try to get to that level and to get to that stage. And I'm not saying there's no effort, but that effort doesn't feel heavy when it is something we value. Ooh. I love, I just want that to wash over me. So good. <laughs> That effort doesn't feel heavy when it's something we value. Mm, that's a great takeaway. 
of like, what in my life feels heavy and what feels easy? What is the thing that I would do regardless of the outcome, regardless of like the money I make or the, you know, like what are the things that bring that sense of flow and connection and alignment with, with my values? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just how you described being at one of your shows where it's a conversation. Yeah. It's not a performance for me. I have to click into this place of flow where it's true reciprocity. Like, I feel it right now with you. Mm. I'm receiving so much from this conversation. I do too. Well, good. We did a a symbiotic thing. We did it. (laughs) We did it, what you're talking about. And, And it's in, like, letting myself relax into that and not feeling this need to perform and to be good. Like, releasing this this like limiting belief that I need to be something or do something good or well in order to be enough or to hold space, you know, just like getting out of that headspace and getting into this more allowing for a true conversation to happen, like a true giving and receiving as opposed to like thinking of what I'm going to say next so that I am overly, and usually it's overly worrying about you, like taking, like, I want to make sure that this is enough for you. I want to be enough for you. Um, or when I'm performing on stage and I'm like, I want to be enough. I want to be funny. I want mm-hmm. to be, you know, if I'm focused on that, it's automatically, I've automatically lost. But as soon as I can see it as a conversation, then it's, then we get to do what you do so naturally. <laughs> wise words from Katie Barbaro. More like a wise regurgitation of Kai's wise way of life. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you. For sharing. This is very inspiring for me. What is your biggest takeaway of this conversation and how it relates to the whole idea of showing up messy? Wow, that's a great question. I want to hear what your biggest takeaway from this conversation is too, but I'll go first because you asked me first. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from this conversation is... <laughs> yeah, it's it's um it's exactly what we just said. It's like it's what a conversation, a true symbiotic conversation actually feels like. Mm-hmm. Um and and actually the thing I'm realizing right now is that it's something that exists in my body. Like I can feel in my body when I'm in a place of flow and rece- mm-hmm. and receptivity versus in a place of I want to be good. I want you to like me. And so or like, I want you to get value from this. I want to like, and so, so showing up messy means allowing, yeah, it's like allowing for that flow to happen regardless of what it, what it looks like. Acknowledging exactly where I am in this moment and then letting someone else see me in, in the actual container that I'm in right now is is enough and it gives to them more than like pretending to be in another container would give them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so whatever that was a messy answer <laughs> it was beautiful and thank you for sharing katie of course and what is your takeaway what's your takeaway from this conversation so i'm gonna i'm gonna answer this question by asking you another question beautiful let's just do a question <laughs> battle <laughs> This is how we now end the podcast. It was just a question battle. A Q&A. A Q&A. But Without it's, the A. It's more like a Q&Q. Yeah. We like to do our Qs. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. How do you think my answers have been when, when we've been conversing and, and communicating? 
what are like three words you would use to describe them? You, I would describe them as um, insightful, authentic, and spontaneous. Where I felt that you're, you're speaking from a place of, okay, these are more words, but those are the three words. Yes. I, know. <laughs> I know I can elaborate a little bit. Um, which I was just really struck by your poise, but also vulnerability. Like ability to be vulnerable and also stand behind what you believe. Um, so I was, it was interesting actually, one thing that struck me was like that you, you said that you typically like speak in this sarcastic manner and people don't know what you actually think or believe, but I was struck by like how you're, you're actually, you're, you're very connected to what you really, what you really believe mm-hmm. and you can tap into that in conversation just as easily as you do in songwriting. And so I just, yeah, I, I want to acknowledge that you're able to access your, your depth with such ease and articulation. <laughs> you're very articulate in your ability to like sing your soul song, let your Thank soul you. out. Yeah. I, went, I went to college for 10 weeks, so. Those, you're like, this is all I needed actually. I think I'm good. <laughs> it was a great 10 weeks. Thank you, UC Davis. Thank you, UC Davis. Go agriculture. Are we attributing all of your brilliance and skills to 10 weeks at UC Davis? Thanks. Yes. Wow, what a, what a testament to them. This is like free advertising. I'm hoping they give me an honorary degree so my parents can be happy. My God. I will start that petition. Thank you. I think I'm going to give you an honorary degree. Can I, I'm going to write you an honorary degree today. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, tell people where they can find you, please. You can find me at kaimatamusic.com and on Facebook and Instagram, everything, Kaimata Music. Everything you can find is on Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you stream music. And find her. It's delightful. The new single she's releasing on June 8th is called So Hard. And her first album is also just... I would recommend it for, like, taking a shower, listening to in the morning when you're like, I want to have a great day. Just listen to Kai. That's what I would recommend you for. Oh, thank you, Katie. Okay. That's very sweet. Well, I'll be in everyone's shower. Yes. That's what I, I'm starting the showering with Kai Revolution. It's okay. Awesome. Awesome. I think I might consent to this. Potentially. Okay, great. We have a hard maybe from Kai. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Katie. I'll talk to you in just one second. Yes. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, world.